Hey, welcome to episode nine of the Firehouse Forum podcast. This is David Timberline. I'm the community engagement manager here at Firehouse. And, you know, isn't that some great opening music? Thanks, Jason Marks. I just had to uh, remember to thank Jason for doing our opening and interim music for this episode. It's going to be a little bit different because we always try to throw something a little bit different. We've got Mark Lerman who is the director of an oak tree that is opening at Firehouse next week on uh, Wednesday, April 4th. And then we also have Amy Berlin, who is actor, director, playwright, and lawyer, among many other things. She's going to be appearing in Lucky Me at uh, Chamberlain Actors Theater. That opens Friday, April 6th. And that's going to be it. We're just going to have two guests this time, uh, a little shorter podcast. We also uh, also have to do a little housekeeping, which is to tell you that Oak Tree opens next week on the 4th, but also at Firehouse we have a show called Amber that is opening April 10th at 7 o'clock. And I hope you will come to our website, firehousetheater.org, and get the information about that. And uh, that's about it, I think. We're going to get right to the show. Okay, we're here with Mark Lerman. Welcome to the Firehouse Forum podcast. Uh, let me give you a little background on Mark. He served as the artistic director at the Perishable Theater in Providence, Rhode Island from 1990 to 2005. He taught at RISD, the Rhode Island School of Design, and served as guest dramaturg for the Brown University Graduate Playwriting Program. He is currently uh, an adjunct professor at William & Mary and for the VCU Theater Program. And there's other things on his resume that we'll get to, but in 2016, he directed Maple and Vine at Firehouse. That was your first directing gig here in Richmond, was it? That? was, yeah, yes. Okay. Um, and he is currently in rehearsals for An Oak Tree, which opens here on Wednesday, April 4th. There was just great big uh, casting announcement for that. For those of you who don't know, there's one consistent actor. Correct. And then there is somebody else who is brought in for each performance, a different actor, pulled from the audience. We don't know who it's going to be. That's right. performance. Yeah, and they can be of any gender, uh, any race, any shape, any size. <laughs> <laughs> well, and my understanding is that you were really interested in this, doing this show. Is that correct? Very much so. And what drew you to this show specifically? Well, the I had become really uh, enamored of the writer Tim Crouch. He's, okay. uh, he's English, and I had come in contact with some of his other work, um, that I had seen in New York, a piece called I, Malvolio, which <laughs> is his one-person adaptation of Twelfth Night. Okay. And he has a whole book out of several of those that are for young audiences. And uh, I actually took my daughter, who was 11, to go see it because it was meant to be for young audiences. And okay. it was brilliant. I mean, there was this Malvolio was on stage wearing like long johns with blood and pee covered and he was a wreck <laughs> and he was kind of going, why is everyone making fun of me? This is not funny. Oh. And he proceeds to even get two kids in the audience to try to help him commit suicide. Oh my God. As a clown show though. <laughs> and he, like he pulls out the rope and the kids are holding it and he's on the chair. And of course we're, the audience is half laughing, half not. Yeah. And he finally says, why are you still laughing? This isn't funny. And he gets the kids to go back in the audience. And it basically, it looks at the whole show through his point of view. Right. And I was just, I immediately went out and bought the book. I was like, okay, what else <laughs> yeah. has this guy done? And then I started finding other stuff he'd written. And this is one of the, the other plays um, in his other 
uh, compilation. Right. And I also came across them just kind of in a book called Theater Making in the 21st Century and interviewing these, you know, people who are thinking about how to make theater in different ways. Right. And he had a whole interview in there. And so I was like, okay, this play also just spoke to me as a teacher, as a director, mm-hmm. and as a father. Okay. So... Well, I was wondering, as a, thinking about it as a director, mm-hmm. given that you're, you know, you're working with one actor, you're working with Landon Nagel, who is the one consistent the one yeah. actor that we rehearse in the process. Right. Is there almost a secondary directorial process where you're directing him to direct the other actor? Or? Very much so. In fact, okay. where the language we're even using in rehearsal is to help Landon is to kind of identify when he is playing his central character, which is a hypnotist. Okay. And when he's playing Landon, the direct, Landon is playing himself too, but it's kind of Landon as a director. Okay. And so, uh, very much it's directing him and helping him to direct the new actor every night. So you're, is it almost a teaching situation then where you're teaching him how how to direct? Somewhat, somewhat it's kind of like every now and then we kind of laugh and say, well, you see what I'm doing now? So that's what you want to be doing. <laughs> like it's kind of this energy, this kind of, you know, because when I'm up here working with you, I'm not trying to act. Right. You know, and uh, so it's a difficult task for him, though, because he has to both, he has to be able to turn on a dime. Yeah. He has to be able to be in the moment, committed to the story of the play, which is very, has a lot of emotion to it right. um, in terms of the narrative component. And then he has to be able to drop that and become Landon the director and just mm-hmm. kind of like break and be fully with the other actor and then instantaneously drop back to where he left off. Wow. So That's challenging. It's very demanding. <laughs> and so you worked with Landon on Maple and Vine mm-hmm. back in 2016. Was there something you saw in him there that made you think he'd be perfect for this? Or how did it, did you audition a bunch of people for it? Or how did that No, uh, I just spoke to Joel and said my... I had several, I thought there were several actors in this community, mm-hmm. and I'm getting to know the community more and more. So in some ways, I don't know the community in depth yet, but mm-hmm. um, I've been seeing a lot of theater here over the last few years. Good. And as I'm getting my um, MFA at VCU, so I'm around a lot and I'm seeing okay. a lot of theater. And as a side note, just moved to Richmond, just bought a house, oh, five minutes away from Firehouse, which, um, <laughs> nice. much easier than coming in from Williamsburg. Yeah. And, uh, but Landon was on the top of the list, both, I knew him, f- you know, from working on that show, he's also in the MFA program, so I see him a lot. Okay. And I just said, you know, I, he's a friend, and I said, I think I can, it's an unusual process. So I wanted someone who I knew who, whether or not they're familiar with this kind of work which London wasn't necessarily, uh-huh. at least they are familiar and trust me enough to kind of go there and try right. a different process. Somebody somebody who trusted you to go on this journey with you, basically. Exactly. <laughs> um, he actually asked me, he said, why aren't you just doing this piece? I mean, you're direct. Why, why, why don't you just do it? Right. And I'm like, well, I get the directing part, but you know, I think you'll be much better when you have to kind of be the acting part. And right. I was like, so. Uh, and actually the guy who wrote, Tim Crouch, truly wrote it for himself to perform. Okay. So it kind of was created as a so as a piece for by the writer. Right. Um, so I understand why he kind of said that in one way, but it really needs 
the core needs to be someone who is a great actor who's also willing to kind of let loose from their kind of traditional <laughs> way of what acting is right. and look at some other ideas of what acting can be. Yeah. Well, and, and this is based on the, from what I understand, it's based on a conceptual art piece. Right. By Michael Craig Martin in the 70s. Right. And so did, did you do much studying of that piece? or is Well, that, I mean, is I obviously of... I immediately went to that piece and right. I was fascinated with that piece and I've read about that piece and I've been reading a little bit more about like conceptual art and right. a little bit of the history of and um, and again, well, a great source for me too is just this interview with Tim about his process with several of his plays, but also kind of how the te- the the piece of art, an oak tree, mm-hmm. the conceptual piece, how much that helped him in his journey as a director and a teacher. Hmm. And I am very much that's who I am right now. I mean, I'm getting this MFA in performance pedagogy because. I've been teaching a lot, but I wanted to go full time. Okay. So I need the MFA. And so as I've been studying teaching and as I've been working as a director and I was, Tim's talking about how seminal this piece of work was for him. Right. Um, I immediately went to the work and I, that also drew me to the piece. You know, as I said, I was drawn to the piece for like three reasons, director, teacher, right. and father. And so the teacher in me is also fascinated because, you know, by by day, <laughs> by day, I'm uh, I'm teaching one of the uh, acting one classes at VCU for the BFA program, so we're like full into Stanislavski. Like, year mm. one is all about Stanislavski okay. as a core, which is this is in some ways so not Stanislavski, <laughs> right? And yet, I kind of think that's partly because people misinterpret Miss Stanislavski. I kind of, and as Tim said, the actors who work best in this show is the other actor of those who understand Stanislavski okay. at their core. Hmm. Um, so it's very untraditional and requires, from Landon, different ways of performing, and yet it's also rooted in kind of some of the threads of what Stanislavski was trying to figure out. Right. Of course, he was doing it 100 years ago, so the world's changed. And yeah. I think Stanislavski, if you were here today, would be right there with Tim Crouch. Yeah, like, be all I think over it. He would be kind of leading the... And he'd be yeah. like, okay, this is what's happened in the last hundred years. This is where we can go now. Right. Well, it, it seems like it's the kind of piece that is going to really appeal to theater insider people who are fascinated with the process of theater and f- process of creating art, but then also people from the outside who don't know how it all happens are going to get a little, you know, a little peek into how it all happens. Exactly. I actually, <laughs> I actually think it's a great intro and in some bizarre way for people who've never seen theater before or who are new to theater who who aren't theater artists because it's just that you get to see the second actor just have to be and respond in the moment right um and kind of like a little window into what happens yeah how actors how the process works how it works granted it's you know you're watching a a short 75 minute version of that process right but still, it's an interesting insight into that. Yeah, and it's immediate, and it's right. you don't know exactly how it's going to go. Right. So yeah, um, and well, I will say one of the, one of the brilliant things about the play is that while it's dealing with theater, and it could be very there are a lot of intellectual ideas, you know, conceptual mm-hmm. arts very heady. It has a narrative core that's very strong and emotionally like powerful, right. and so even if you're not as interested in all that. Yeah, you. I. I'm sure you'll be taken by the story. Just which the story. Is, uh, it was a very heart wrenching story. As I said, I was drawn to it as a father, 
and anyone who um, has experienced loss or who has children and doesn't want to, you know, think about experiencing <laughs> well, loss um, yeah. will connect to it, even if they don't necessarily uh, uh, Go respond to the meta-theater component of right. it. Well, I wanted to take you into a little bit different direction, sure. which is you're also... Famous, I would say, as the director of the Virginia Theater Machine, yes, which is a two thousand pound mobile theater experience. Yep, I I talked to you about this a couple of years ago in preparation of Maple and Vine. I'm wondering if the food truck of theater would be an adequate or a, you know way to talk about it. It's just <laughs> very <laughs> adequate. As it turns out, I'm writing my thesis on this. Okay, and there's a whole section where I talk about creative mobile enchantment. Oh, okay. Because you know I'm an academic now sometimes, so I have to come up with phrases like that. Yeah, multisyllabic construction. <laughs> yes. Right. Okay. But I hope you know at least the words are understandable, right? right. You know, like it's so yeah, but. Very much, and as I, there's a chapter, again, in this chapter on creative mobile enchantment, I cite lots, the history of, and I look at that both outside of the U.S., but in the U.S., um, you have to look at food trucks, particularly, you know, gourmet food trucks. What is that about? Yeah. And the, it's the, it's exploded, right? And, yeah. And why? You know, why are people drawn to it? Yeah. Um, and I think there's some parallels between why people are drawn to that experience and to the Virginia Theater Machine. Yeah. You is know, the, everything is the Virginia from Theater Machine going to be coming to Richmond when you come to Richmond? It is. Okay. Um, uh, that's uh, luckily the house I have has a backyard big enough uh, to pull it in. Okay. The, the back gate is like needs to be whitened by another foot. So right. uh, you know, I still have a couple of months till I fully move. So, but okay. yes, it will be living here. All right. So we can look around. Look. For it around town? Yes, very much so. Okay, that's very exciting. Well, and will you still be doing, because you've done variations on Christmas Carol, is that correct, in Williamsburg? Yeah, I've done, it's, this past year was the 10th year. Okay. And what we've been doing is mainly in Colonial Williamsburg and Merchant Square, but also at some libraries and schools and other uh, nonprofits. We've been doing uh, an abbreviation, I like to call it, hmm. uh, like so it's abbreviated <laughs> adaptation okay. of uh, the Dickens classic, A Christmas Carol. Um, and the whole thing from start to finish is 30 minutes. Uh, but that even includes kind of like a story within the story of these two guys who are trying to do it in under 20 minutes <laughs> and they fail <laughs> right. every, every year. And so that allowed us to follow the quest of these two guys. One is my character, stage manager Bob. Um, and one's the master thespian, Ed Whitaker. Okay. Um, although my character slowly over the 10 years became a junior thespian, then a junior thespian first class. Mm -hmm. And this most recently, I was uh, anointed as a master thespian. Oh, boy. You're coming in. Coming I am. Into things. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But we still never completed it in under, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, you know, that's, but, um, but we also use a lot of puppetry. Okay. And so, you know, the Christmas Carol parts of it are the same year in, year out. Sure. But the setup changes and then the puppets change every year. The ghosts change, which means okay. we adapt some of the language and stuff based on our concept for that year. Okay. And so as a result, it gives people can come back every year and they see, you know, it's the same story but different. Sure. They look for new puppets. Right. They, if they want to, they follow the ongoing story of yeah. <laughs> Bob, and some of them do, some of them don't. Right. Um, but nothing else. It's fun for you. <laughs> right. It's, it keeps it interesting, which is really important. I mean, an yeah. artist has to be. You have to find a way to keep yourself. And I, you know, doing the same show every year for ten years wouldn't work for yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a way to keep it interesting for me. Great. And oh. yeah. 
people are going to have to be looking for the Virginia Theater Machine around yes. town. Yes. Um, I also wanted to, in looking through your resume, uh, when you were in Rhode Island, I've, according to what I read, uh, June 20th <laughs> is Mark Lerman Day. Yes. And you were presented the key <laughs> to the city in Providence, Rhode Island. I have it sitting on my desk. Okay. Now does I've always wondered, <laughs> does the key to the city actually open anything? Do you, can you go around Providence and like get into the mayor's office or anything? Well, you know, it's a big <laughs> key. It's like, you know, it's kind of like a good maybe 10 inches across yeah, by uh, four inches. Hmm. So, no, it's, it's more of uh, a... Of a symbol than okay. a practical key, but you know. Do you celebrate, you know, <laughs> Mark, Mark Lerman Day every year? Not enough, you know. No. <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't really caught on. Huh? No, it hasn't. And even with my family, I'm gonna have to give them a hard time. You think I'm gonna have to maybe start uh, reminding people that it's right. that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. Well, uh, I've been speaking with Mark Lerman. He is the director of an oak tree, which will be opening at Firehouse very soon. So get your tickets now. Thanks, Mark. Great. Thank you. All right. We're back, and we're here with Amy Berlin, who is, oh, man, I could just do credits for days. So I'm going to have to pick a few key ones. She is involved in, she's a director, she's an actor, she's a playwright, she's a lawyer. She just does it all. (laughs) Thanks for coming in, Amy. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Sure. Um, The earliest credit I could find for you, and you can correct me, is directing Matt and Ben at RTP, but I'm sure there's something before that. Oh, yeah. There's quite a bit before that. I think mm-hmm. my very first acting credit was at um, Ben Rico Theater Company. They used to do a one-act festival. They actually okay. just recently stopped. Mm-hmm. And I played the owner of a nudist camp. Oh, nice. In okay. something called the Fig Leaf Nature Club. <laughs> so that was yeah. my illustrious first credit. Wow. Pulling from personal <laughs> experience, I guess, for that? Of course. <laughs> yes. Yes. So how, when was that? When that was um, probably 20... I, I moved here... 23 years ago, so it's probably like 22 years ago. Wow, okay. Well, and, you know, I've seen you on stage forever, and I just, it, what was weird was trying to find, I couldn't find a program that had your bio in it that I could pull from, so I was oh. just looking up things online. And, well, and there's also things that stick in my mind from more recent times that people would probably remember, things like Five Lesbians Eating a Quiche in 2015, which was uh, a favorite of mine. Um, you also were in Creating Claire at Hat Theater uh, just two years ago. And you are also been directing for, like I said, since at least 2005 with Matt and Ben. Um, you directed Perfect Arrangement at RTP just a couple years ago, um, 2016. You wrote The Joshua Plant that Cat Theater did in 2014. But you also, before that, uh, wrote um, and developed, along with Kristen Swanson and Donna Coghill, All's Well That Ends with Monique back in 2011. So that's just, I mean. You know more about me than my parents. <laughs> well, the ridiculous thing is that is like maybe, you know, 5% of what I could talk about with yep. you. So one of the things I wanted to ask is, do you consciously keep a variety of things going? Like, do you try to stagger directing, acting, playwriting, or is it just kind of whatever comes up you take? Or how does how does it, how do projects land in your lap and how do you end up doing them? Um, well, Improv, directing, and acting, the jobs all come in different ways. Okay. Usually for directing jobs, people would seek me out, and then my time for whatever that show would take is then taken, probably mm-hmm. like a year in advance or whatever. Um, acting, of course, you have to go out and audition. Right. So sometimes I don't have time to do that because I'm already taken in another area or something like mm-hmm. that. But 
I would say that like I love it all. So mm-hmm. when I haven't done something for a long time, then I try and make space for it. Okay. Like I haven't um, been on stage since uh, creating Claire except for a reading. Okay. And that was um, over two years ago. So I really wanted to find something to act in because I missed it. Right. And that happens with improv too. Like I do a lot of improv. Then I get kind of burnt out. Then I stop. Then two years later, that's all I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> and so, how how much do they these different things that you do? The, do they feed each other, or do they seem like completely separate disciplines? Oh, I think they feed each other a lot. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I feel like I have to turn off like the directing part of my brain yeah. when I'm acting. This is mm-hmm. not my job. Right. Um, but I can't help thinking of, oh, well, how is this prop going to get here? Or right. is the audience going to understand this? And none of that's my job. So <laughs> I guess it could sort of get in the way. But, um, you know, uh, as an improv artist, I feel like my acting's gotten immeasurably better yeah. um, from all the skills I learned in improv. And I use improv and directing. Nearly every play I've written sort of has an improv base. Hmm. And, um, you know, I might even with, because I usually write with someone else, we might improvise the dialogue and see what we get Uh and then start with that so i feel like they're all intertwined okay well i I did want to um because you are a lawyer that's your day job which is kind of a it's not the most common day job of the (laughs) actors and theater artists that I've spoken to. Did you kind of fall into theater? Did you, were you always involved in theater and the interest in the law was a sidelight or how did this, how did it all come together for you? I went to college and majored in theater and criminology because (laughs) I was encouraged to have backup. Uh, I was also encouraged by my theater professors that this is perhaps not for you, hmm. which was hard to hear. Yeah. So I think I always... Now, have you called any of them back and said... Um, oh, I'm, I'm friends with them on Facebook, and I hope they see that I'm still doing stuff. <laughs> I'm like half the people in my class. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. They're probably paid to give us a hard time. Uh, yeah. It's the okay. real world. Right. Anyway, yeah, I think I always sort of was pushed in the direction of, oh, this could be a fun hobby right. for you. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, Yeah, then I went to law school right after college, Mm -hmm. and I loved law school. Really? It was so much fun. It's not like the paper trail where you're getting beaten to death every day? I mean, there was some (laughs) of that, but what I loved is there were, and I was telling you a little bit about this Mm -hmm. before we went on the air, Mm -hmm. there was trial competitions, Mm -hmm. negotiation competitions, there was moot court competitions, Mm -hmm. and all of them are are kind of like acting, right? right? Especially... In law school, because the cases are not real. Okay. So, yeah. you know, I got to play witnesses and cry on the stand. I was a very popular witness in law school. <laughs> That's great. So then after I graduated from law school, I went and worked at a firm. And then suddenly it was real people, real clients, real money. And mm. I didn't like it as much. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's too stressful. Yeah. So that's when I started getting back to theater. Okay. <laughs> so, so, and I asked you a little bit about this before. So does... Your background in theater, you know, feed your profession in law at all, or is it you know, really I th- separate? I think part of the reason I chose law school is I thought that it would. Yeah, I thought I'd be in the trial in um, you know, the courtroom. Right, uh, it's L.A. law, dramatic. Yeah. Right, uh, but as it turns out, it wasn't for me. Yeah, it's really I took things very personally. I stressed out about them. I mm. couldn't sleep if I was worried about clients. So now I have a job where I work for the court 
and mm-hmm. um, I don't have clients. And okay. so that turns out to be perfect for me, but most of my job is writing. Okay. So unfortunately, there's not much give and take with theater. Well, and, and is it, am I right or not in saying that you're doing more writing these days? Was Joshua um, Tree, is that your first fully realized play, Joshua um, Tree? It's Joshua Plant. Joshua Plant, I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Joshua Tree was already taken. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that uh, Oswald That Ends with Monique was the first full length. Mm-hmm. Um, I, of course, I'd written lots of sketches and radio shows and little things before then, mm-hmm. but that was the first. And then that Anne Bucci and I wrote that, and then we wrote The Joshua Plant. And each of those took a decade, and I'm probably not exaggerating. Oh, wow. You know, we put them away for years right. and then come back to them. So I think I always thought of writing as oh, that's, you know, how many am I going to have in my lifetime? Maybe five <laughs> or six plays. It's just something that's kind of out there. But recently, I've just been really enjoying writing. I have okay. another play that I wrote with a friend of mine who, Paul Campbell, who I went to college with, and he lives in New York. We've just written one. Hmm. Um, so we're in the mode of like trying to get feedback on it, and we're really excited about it. I have another one that I wrote that's based on uh, Instaplay, an Instaplay show that we did. Instaplay was something I created where I had a troop of people mm-hmm. who improvised full-length plays. Okay. And I would tape them. And so this was one that I was like, oh, I think this could possibly be a play. Huh. So I'm working on that. And uh, I also have been doing a little bit of stand-up lately, which forces me to write all the time. Oh, wow. So I'm really enjoying writing. That's like, great. I feel like I want to do more of that. So now I have to add another thing to your credit list, of, <laughs> like as a, as, a, as a stand-up comedian. Oh, well... <laughs> I don't know if I could be labeled that yet, but. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, so one of the reasons I wanted to, I asked you in was because you're currently in rehearsal for Lucky Me at Cat Theater. Yes. Um, which has a great cast of Matt Hackman, Bill Blair, and Todd Shalvas. Yes. 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 Um, and um, what's, so how's that going? <laughs> it is so much fun. Yeah. I just can't remember. You know, of course, for everyone, the lightest play is like, you know, the dearest to your heart. But sure. I just can't remember. Usually I get cast as the crazy comic relief, mm-hmm. uh, which is fun. Yeah. I love doing it. But you don't often get an arc right. of a character. You yeah. don't often get to show a lot of sides of yourself. And so this role I really get to, and I honestly can't remember the last time I did. So it's challenging and fun. And Billy Christopher Maupin's directing, mm-hmm. and he is just lets us play. And <laughs> I feel like I'm, you know, in acting class again, and it's so fun. Right. Well, and your love interest is Matt Hackman, and that's that's, you know, that's right. okay. <laughs> you can't argue with that, right? <laughs> well, in, in uh, some reviews that I've read of the show in other productions, it seems like it's a show that really lets the cast kind of do a lot, mm-hmm. like like bring a lot to it. So, have I mean, with this with this cast, it's a pretty. Uh, it seems like a pretty fun group. You've been able to go in interesting directions with it. Now, I just have to say, I mean, I and this is rare. Yeah. The nights we don't have rehearsal, I'm kind of sad. No, oh. <laughs> I want to go. <laughs> yeah. And now we're opening April sixth, and I was like, oh, it's almost over. Yeah. No, it's been really fun, and everyone in the cast is very game and excited to mm-hmm. find things and play them in the scenes and try them different ways. I'm also producing the show. Oh, okay. So wow. I've been involved in the divi- design side. Not that I'm doing any designing, but yeah. I've been around a lot. 
And so there's lots of special effects, which are very exciting. I love oh, special wow. effects. So <laughs> I'm a big you, fan. Once again, I'm adding yet another credit for you <laughs> and producer. We'll have to start this all over, and I'm going to list them all again. Uh, so and so, working with Cat Theater, you've been involved with them for many years at yeah. this point. And it seems to me, at least, you know, with the Diviners, they switched up the space a little bit. It seems like they're trying new things and, you know, maybe branching out a little bit. Is that accurate to say? Or um, I think so. Sometimes because I've been involved with them for so long, sometimes when people say that, mm-hmm. I said, oh, yeah, but we've always you don't remember it. 16 years ago when we did this play that had necrophilia in it. And, <laughs> you know, it was yeah. that play where, yeah. So I think things run in cycles. And okay. I will say that um, Zachary Owen, who directed The Diviners, you're right, I've never seen the space in that way before. And I loved it mm. actually i was like well, we should do every play like this because <laughs> yeah. it, it was so cozy they like turned it completely around so there were um seats on the stage so you're mm-hmm. looking down on the stage instead of up right and it just was a whole nother feel yeah so that was new yeah um, well and it's been it, part of why i'm thinking about it is that audience dynamics is kind of this thing like you know with theater lab doing their yeah. shows where everybody you know the crowd is on both sides of the stage and we're doing a show at firehouse where depending on the night you know the crowd is going to be on the stage and it's just it's an and fun home had people on the stage right. it's just it's another aspect of the theatrical experience that i think well and i see. think for people who are used to seeing a space now someone who came to cat for the first time wouldn't have that effect on them right. but for other people who've seen a lot of shows there and they came in and it was it just it kind of wakes you up right i mean i've seen hundreds yeah I had to have seen hundreds of shows there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is so fun. <laughs> right. <You know? laughs> yeah. Well, and yeah, there's that experience of when you first walk into the theater and you don't know what to expect. Right. And like when you see something interesting or weird or something yeah. you know, unexpected, it's like, oh, wow, that's cool. So the show, you said that you were working on one. You didn't say what it, what it was about. A couple of them. The one I'm writing? Yeah. Uh, well, the one I wrote with my friend Paul is about, um, it's called It Happens to the Best of Us. Mm-hmm. And it's basically about this person who is trying to make a buck and it ends up sort of creating a new Scientology. Ooh, wow. And uh, there's a lot of social media in it, kind of, <laughs> as people who've read it told me, it's somewhat <laughs> like Dear Evan Hansen, which uh, I did not know hmm. when I wrote it, as I've never seen it. But okay. it does have a lot, um, like all through the scene changes, things advance through social media okay. so that when you get into the next scene, like we're already forward. Right. Um, and that's how he gets his following. Okay. Through social media. Interesting. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited about it. <laughs> That's great. Well, uh, Lucky Me opens April, it's in previews through April 5th and then opens April 6th. Is that correct? Well, we don't really have previews, oh, okay. um, but it opens April 6th. April 6th, okay. Yeah. And that, we've been speaking with Amy Berlin, and she stars as Sarah in Lucky Me, and uh, everybody should go see it. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming out. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Okay, thank you, Mark Lerman, and thank you, Amy Berlin, for coming in for the Firehouse Forum podcast, and uh, you will see maybe a little bit more of the podcast coming up. I think we're going to switch it up a little bit and do shorter ones more often. So if you're subscribed through iTunes, which I hope you are at this point, you may see new podcasts dropping into your feed on a weekly basis instead of bi-weekly, so... Look for that coming up. Shorter, sweeter, better than ever. So for the Firehouse Forum Podcast, I'm Dave Timberline. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week.